You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Well, hello. How many dog uh, lovers we have out there? Dog lovers. Cat lovers. You love cats. Well, I've, I love dogs. And by the way, I'm Brian Cox, one of the pastors here. And welcome online community. I'm asking you the same question. Do you love dogs or cats? We have a few that love dogs, a few that love cats. You're like, why is he asking that? What a strange way to start a message. Well, I'll tell you this. I've had dogs my whole life, um, and they were always big dogs. Okay, and I was used to names like Spartacus and, you know, Brutus or Vixen, you know, those kind of things. Spike, I think, was one of my favorite dogs. And so uh, a few years ago, my daughters wanted to get a dog, okay? And so they wanted to get a little dog. And it was like a teacup chihuahua. It's fun to say, chihuahua. And it was so cute. In fact, this is what it looked like. Oh, yeah, some of you are like, I don't care. But th- and so they wanted to name him, okay? So I had a hard time with this because, I mean, wait for this. This is what they wanted to name him, okay? I'm not used to this kind of name. They said, we want to name him Toby. And I'm like, Toby. No offense if you're a Toby. Okay, I'm sorry. There might be one in here. I think there's one on this side. I'm sorry. But I'm just used to, like, Vixen. You know what I'm saying? I'm used to those kind of names. And so as time went on, I said, okay, you can name them whatever you want. As time went on, I know how it goes. And my girl's probably not going to like this, but eventually it became my dog and my dad's dog. So when they don't know it, I'm always calling him something else. Okay? And I call him Killer. Okay, because this is what he turned into. He turned into a crazy dog, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm saying that because, just so you know, one of the top five questions in the Christian world is, will my dog go to heaven? We've had movies made about it. All dogs go to heaven. Will my cat go to heaven? Let me say this. I think there may be some dogs in heaven, but there's not going to be any cats. I don't think God likes cats. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, she's crying. Just stop. It's okay. I'm just kidding. Do not email me or text me. That was a joke. I'm sure when we get there, we'll be happy. Okay? Whatever's there. But that is one of the top questions. Will my pet go to heaven? And there's many questions like that that we keep hearing all the time. And we're going to explore that in this series You know, what happens beyond the grave, life after death? That's a big one. What happens, you know? What do we do? How do we we answer that question, you know? And so we're going to take this series next four weeks, and we're going to learn about some of those questions that we struggle with as Christians. And we're going to help you understand them just a little better, okay? Another one was, is Jesus the only way to heaven? For us Christians... Those answers seem like, yeah, we know that, but we need to understand it. 
We need to have a better idea than just, hey, that's, we know that's true. We need to understand it better. So the first question we're going to talk about today is the number one question that you get. This is the number one argument for atheists. My atheist friends, this is their argument right here. If God exists, why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? I have a friend that's an atheist, and that's his argument. Why is there so much suffering? Okay. You know, we'll figure it out. No, there is an answer. In fact, here's what he's implying. He's implying if God existed, there would be no suffering or evil in the world. That's what he's saying. Okay, my friend, we'll just call him Ted, atheist Ted. I knew him years ago back when I was younger. And I remember uh, being a new Christian. This is, this is way before Marathon. And we would go to lunch together because we worked together. And I was the, you know, the typical Christian with my T-shirt, you know, God's gym on it. You ever seen those? Some of you have no idea. Way back in the day. And, you know, and things were good for me, you know. Just got married. You know, life's good. You know, I'm young. Had no struggles, really. You know. And here's Ted, a little older than me, and he's like, and we're talking about God. And he said, well, Brian, you know, I just don't get it. Because how could a God that loves and is so all-powerful, how could he allow me to go through what I'm going through? He had lost everything. His entire finances destroyed. His health destroyed. His wife was sick. And he he had a legitimate argument for God not being here. And here's what I said, okay? This is how I helped him. I said, get over it. Sometimes Christians, we we can be like that. We can be just like, well, you know what? God's real, get over it. Get with it. He said, Brian, all I need is a sign. You ever heard that song? I need a sign to let me know you're here. I won't sing it. But that's what he needed because he was in a place that I had never been before. He was in a place of suffering and hardship and evil. And I thought I could fix it with a comment. You never understand other people's pain until you go through it. A few years later, this happened to me. Pain came to my house. Suffering came to my house. Suffering comes to our house, all of us. I remember it. May 31st, 1994, I'm standing in the front yard looking at the flowers and listening to the birds and looking at the heavens. What a beautiful day it is. Just a few hours before my mother had died. And I'm standing outside the home and I'm going, God, okay. Here's this beautiful world. Here's the birds singing, flowers What an amazing thing you created. Yet you can't heal my mother. I don't understand. I don't get it. And I doubted God right then. I said, God, I don't know. Maybe Ted's right. Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe it's just a dream. Maybe we come in here and worship God and it's for nothing. It's just a bunch of us trying to be happy. Maybe that's what it is. And I had to struggle with that doubt. 
And I think some of you that may be watching today, some of you that are in here today, that's where you are. You're in a place where I just don't get it anymore. I just don't get this disease. That's, if you haven't noticed, there's a lot of people not here today. They're in quarantine. <laughs> make you doubt, won't it? It make you go, God, where are you? And you look at all the things around the world. Hurricanes and Afghanistan and God, sickness. And it just it gets overwhelming to the point where you just get to that place and you say, God, I just don't know anymore. I'm exhausted. And I've been there. And I want you to know if you're suffering today, I'm not trying to make light of it at all. Because I know we are. I know we're hurting. So maybe you're dealing with something like you lost your job. I know somebody that happened to recently. I know marriages that are struggling. Sickness. I know someone that heard the dreaded word cancer this week. And it makes you think, God, where are you? I'm with you on this. I share that with you today. And if you're watching today, you're probably saying, God, I can't even get out of bed to come here today. What are you doing? So we have an issue. We have an issue that we're doubting God. But there is a solution. But first, I want to tackle a couple of things. Why do, we, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? You know, my mother was the most amazing person, Christian. She had a prayer team. They prayed every day. I mean, all the time. They'd wake me up at 5 in the morning when I was a kid praying. I'm like, what are you doing? That's how amazing she was. Why didn't God take care of her? And then I got a guy down the road that just complains because, you know, just because he wants to. Doesn't like anything. And God lets him live. You ever thought about it? Why? Why is the world this way? I know, I'm sorry, I know it's getting kind of depressing in, the, in here right now. I don't mean to be, but I want you to know this. No matter where you are, in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, God knows. And he has a solution. I want you to understand that today. So, you're asking that, God, where are you today? Where are you? I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling today. I barely made it to church, or I'm barely watching online. <laughs> I know my girls are sick right now at home. Hey, girls. makes us doubt we just constantly ask why I don't know about you but I want a solution I don't know about you but I want to know what God's doing I want to know where you are here's what C.S. Lewis said my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust a man does not call a straight line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line what he's saying is, if you didn't know, C.S. Lewis was an atheist most of his life. He couldn't, he couldn't figure out why there was good in the world. Okay, why is there good? We know there's evil, but where's the good come from? Where's the moral law come from? How do you know it's wrong to kill? How do you know that? 
Was you born with that? Did you evolve into that? No. See, if you look at the, if people want to say we're like animals or we're, we're just evolving, let me, let me argue that a minute. You look at the animals, you look at the lion that attacks the deer. Why does he do that? To survive. Do you think he has a moment of goodness one day? And he just says, I'm just not going to kill you today. No. That's animals. We're not animals. We're humans. And God has given us, believe it or not, God has given us the good in this world to balance the evil. Okay? I'm going to help you with this. The existence of evil does not eliminate God. Okay, this is the argument the atheists have that because of evil, there can be no God. Actually, I'm arguing this, that it actually proves there is one. Okay, in fact, let me give you an example. Watch this. Watch this. Okay. Lights come down. See that? Isn't that great? That's powerful right there. I didn't really do that. But I want you to see the darkness here. Complete darkness. How do you know it's dark? How do you know it's dark in this room right now? How do you know it's dark online right now? Because there is no light. But when God came into the world, this is what he did. He brought light. He brought it into the world. You see what I'm saying? Without the sunshine, there is no shadow. Without evil, there is no good. Without good, there is no evil. It balances each other out. In fact, have you ever thought about this? I love the, it's about to get fire season, you know, where you can sit outside at a fire. You know, God created fire so you can cook. You know, so you can sit around. But if you get too close, it'll burn you. You also created water so you can drink water or swim or, you know, ski or whatever. But you can also drown. He also created the trees that you can cut up and, and have a beam and build a house. But you can also take that beam and hit your neighbor over the head. See, what evil does, it tries to take what God's created that's good and twist it and make it bad. And then God came in and said, I have a solution. I have a solution. I have a solution. So, evil requires good and good requires God. There is no good without God. You do not have a moral conscience without God. You do not know what's good and what's bad without God. You ever thought about it? Some people have more issues with it than others, I'm sure. God exists, why? God exists. Why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? I'm going to answer this for you. Back to that question. First of all, we need to know where evil comes from, okay? I just want to hang with me this morning because I'm, I'm giving you some kind of biblical lesson today in the beginning. But I want you to understand where evil comes from because the argument that Ted had, the atheist, is that evil was because God didn't exist. I'm arguing that it proves God does exist. Okay, but where did evil come from then? Did God create evil? No, look at a great, just answers everything correctly down here. He did not. I'm going to show you where it came from. You need to know this. Therefore, just as though one man, say this with me, sinned, entered the world and death through sin, and thus sin spread to all men because all 
You know where evil came from? Came from you, man. Came from me. Came from mankind. We are the problem. <laughs> we are the problem. You're like, well, I didn't, I don't know if I understand that. Well, think about it this way. Sin is like, in my opinion, like a virus. And I hate, I know that's a bad analogy at this time. But when it entered the world, it became a virus and it spread through mankind. And what it does, it has the potential to destroy all that's good. There's bad people because we chose evil. There's terrorists because we chose evil. There's sickness because we chose evil. It's the result of your choice. You get to choose it every day. You have the same choice. In fact, this is what God said. God gave us free will to choose him or not. Think about Adam and Eve. They had it made, man. Garden of Eden. Beautiful trees with fruit on them. Waters and creeks, I guess. The heavens. Could walk with the lion. And God said, it is good. He says it so many times in Genesis. And it was good. And I did this, and it was good. And I did that, and it was good. And then I made the humans. I think it's good. Yes, he said we were good. But he said, here's what you don't need to do, guys. Well, I left one thing out. This is important. He also said, you know, he made them naked. Isn't that great? They were naked and could walk around in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. They had it made. How much better can you get, right? I know some of you are thinking, no, I don't want that. I get it. But that's what they, God had given them. Good. He said, stay away from the tree. That's all I need you to do. And what did they do? Chose the tree. Ate from the fruit. Sin entered the world. And sin became a problem for you and for me because of that. So this is where evil comes from. So now we have evil. We have God trying to bring good to help us out. But we still don't have the solution we need. Okay? We still needed the solution because we are evil. And we can't get to God if we're evil. So what did he do? Here's what he did. Sometimes instead of answering our questions, God wants to be our solution. See, I can sit up here and answer all your questions all day and try to give you evidence of God. But God says, you're not going to always have the answers. You're not going to always know what your pain's about. You're not going to always know why things happen in this world. We know a lot of it's because of sin. But the one thing you do need to know is that God has a solution for it. In fact, I'll show you this. He said, this is how much God loved you. So simple, God. This is so simple for you to get today. That he gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. He made a solution for you. We brought evil. He brought good. He brought a solution. You have a choice. See, God could have made us robots if he wanted he could have said, I just want all you to love me. But is that love? Do you want somebody to love you? You want to make them love you? I don't. I want, to love, I want them to love me. Not because I made them. He didn't want that. He wanted real humans, not robots.
And he made us this promise. The thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. That's what this world's trying to do to you at every moment. But I came to give life with joy and abundance. That's what he came to do for you, to give you life. Okay. Now we understand evil. We understand where it comes from. We understand God gave a solution. Now, how do we base all this around our pain and suffering? What is, what is the thing we need to base our lives around? Okay. I know these things, Brian. I got it. But how do I live my life? Yeah, I know I need to choose God. But you need to have a foundation of what that looks like, in my opinion. You need to understand the decisions you make and why you make them. When pain comes, why do you make that decision? What do you do about it? And I think that comes with understanding what the purpose of life is. What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? It's a big question. But Jesus tells us, very simple. This is why you exist. This is is why you're here. This is why you're in this room or watching online. This is why you're breathing. This is it. This is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He's saying that the meaning of life is to know God. The true God, Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. Everything that happens to you, everything that's good or bad that happens to you, revolves around this idea that you should know God all the time. In fact, C.S. Lewis said this. I think I got away from it. I'm sorry. God whispers to us in our pleasures. Okay, listen to this. Speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse your attention. See, pain, knowing God sometimes, and growing in God requires pain. So think about it. Pain comes along. When I lost my mother, I had pain. It hurt deeply. I did not trust you, God. I'm doubting you. Then God says, look around. Everything I'm doing is so that you know me better, Brian. So people know God better. So if your mom needs to die for people to know me, that's what's going to happen. And I can tell you, thousands of people find God every day because of tragedy. Because what matters is knowing God. And knowing eternity is coming. It's hard to kind of, I'm like, I don't know if I like that idea. I don't want tragedy, but I have to understand why it exists. God uses our pain to bring about his purpose. That's what he wants to do in your life. He wants to take what you're dealing with today and bring purpose to it. And so what matters is how we respond. And I want to give you an example in a minute of that. And we celebrate 9-11. And... There's some incredible stories that come from that, incredible miracles of 9-11 they talk about. In a minute, I'm going to show you that, but I want to see you something, show you something that how you respond in this pain we have, okay? We know evil. We know God brought good. We know the purpose of life and the meaning of life is to know God. So how do we respond? What do we do? Okay? 
Here's what the Bible says in James. That's what it says. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them if you embrace them. Mm. Your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. My gosh, that's not the answer I really wanted. Embrace your pain. Embrace what has happened to you. That's what he's saying. Because it has a purpose. Your suffering has purpose, don't it, Don? I've seen what you've went through in your life. God has purpose. He takes things that we think are incredibly horrible, and he makes good of them. In fact, he says it in Genesis 50. He said, you meant to hurt me, (laughs) but God turned your evil into good. We just sang about it. I love that song. It was to save the lives of many, many people, and it is being done. God is using your pain to save many lives if you'll let him and allow him. Now, I'm going to show you this story. It's about five minutes, so I just want you to bear with me on it, though. But it's an incredible story about a young man on 9-11. That in for, for one moment of his life, in that moment of his, of his certain death, he did incredible things. And he found purpose in tragedy. And people were saved because of it. So I want you to watch this. What would you do in the last hour of your life? Where would you be? Who would remember it? What would it look like? Maybe it wouldn't look anything like loss, but would be the thread of legacy and the color of honor. The 15th anniversary of 9-11 comes Sunday, and now we're going to remember one of that day's heroes, Wells Crowther. When Wells Crowther was six, his father gave him his first red bandana. He loved having that red bandana, and he always had it with him. Including when he volunteered as a firefighter at 16. After college, Wells took a job as an equities trader, working on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center. But the good money and great view weren't enough. Wells called me one day and said, you know, Dad, I think I want to change my career. I think I want to be a New York City firefighter. September 11th, 2001 came before Wells could switch careers. But on that terrible day, Wells became a hero. You heard this man's voice say, I found the stairs. Follow me. Survivors remember a man wearing a red bandana who guided so many to safety at his own peril. Severely burned and stranded amongst the dying, young and others still alive, saw no way out. We looked around the floor, I said, well, we really can't move because we don't know what happened. We're afraid that we're gonna put a, take a step, the whole thing's gonna sink in. Then all of a sudden, we saw a young man come out of nowhere. You heard this man's voice say, I found the stairs. Follow me. Only help the one that you can help. It's the way he said it. And we just got up, we follow. The man led Young and others from the sky lobby to stairway A, the only functional stairway left on the 78th floor. 
He led them down to the 61st floor, where they met firefighters who escorted them to working elevators on the 40th floor. After leading the group down, the man turned and headed back up the stairs. He said, I'm going back up, because he knows there's a lot of people up there on the 78th floor that needed help. I mean, he could have continued going down with us, but he didn't. He decided to go back up. The man climbed 17 floors, returning again to the burning sky lobby. There he found other survivors, including Judy Ween. She does not speak publicly about what happened. Her husband, Jerry, saw her at the hospital later the afternoon of September 11th. She had just come out of surgery. At that point, she could hardly speak, but she wanted to tell me what had happened. Judy said she saw a young man appear out of nowhere. She watched him as he went around helping people, putting out fires, and administering aid to the injured. And he said, everyone who can stand, stand now. If you can help others, do so. Those were his exact words as she told it to me that afternoon. After being led safely to the stairway, Ween saw the man go back to the burning sky lobby. At 9.59 a.m., the South Tower collapsed. According to accounts from survivors, Wells helped to save as many as 12 people on September 11th. We're here today to uh, honor a true hero. In 2006, Wells Crowther was posthumously named a New York City firefighter. So Barton could be proud to have a member like Wells in our family. To know that Wells, in that figurative sense, took off the equity trader hat and put it on the table, picked up his helmet, firefighter's helmet, and went to work. For me, that was an incredible, incredible thing to know. That red bandana carries his whole story. And so I'm leaving with his name, his story, and the symbol of his story. And so to me, that, that's an important gesture of remembrance. What an incredible story. And I just, I thought I'd bring this out here just to honor him and those that we lost that day. But I know God used it to bring thousands of people to him. I was here the next Sunday after that. This place was filled. Standing room only. People needing God because of tragedy. Many people found Christ because of it. It kind of helps you understand pain a little bit. That God uses pain because of why? Because what matters most is that we know him. That we know him. I think about what his dad said, and I think about this. He put down the trader hat, and he put on the fireman hat, and he went to work. He found purpose in his pain at that moment. Maybe you're in a place you need to look and say, God, what's my purpose? What are you doing? What are you trying to show me? In fact, it may be 
It's, impo- it's possible that your most painful tragedy might lead to your most important transformation. That's what happened to him in that moment. Because what matters is knowing God. What matters is knowing the solution. We're all going to meet God. We're all going to have that day. That's why it's so important. And I want to help you with a couple other things. When we, we embrace our pain, and we're going to learn how to do that together. But I want to ask you this question. What is this moment teaching me? What is, what is this pain in my life right now? What you're dealing with right now, I want you to ask that question. Think about it for a minute. Maybe finances, marriage, sickness. Ask yourself that question. This is about you right now. God, what are you teaching me? Is what transformation needs to happen in me right now that, that fits that purpose of knowing you? What is it? See, God wants to give us something, <laughs> but cannot because our hands are full. There's nowhere for him to put it. Our hands are full today. We got so much life going on. We got so many other things happening besides God that we can't. Pain, it might be the only way you're going to let go. It might be the only way you'll actually see what the meaning of life really is. I know I've been there. Pain is coming. Suffering will come for you. I don't want to depress you, but that's when you need to know God. That's when you need to be ready. See, God, teach me, show me. Embrace that pain. I'm going to talk about the blind man real quick and we'll be done. He said, he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What has happened to Wells, what is happening to you, is so that God can be displayed. I'm learning that about my pain, that God wants to use it to display his work in my life. He went on. This is Paul. He said, for our, light, for our light and momentary troubles. Some of you might be thinking it's light right now. It's for our heavy troubles. But he's saying it's light compared. Are you achieving for us an eternal glory that out, far outweighs them all? Nothing you're going through right now compares to the glory you're going to see. Nothing. But on what is unseen. Okay, he said, so fix your eyes on not what is seen. That's what we do all the time, but on what is unseen. See, we didn't see the thousands of people finding Christ after 9-11. God did, though. He, see, he saw what was happening. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, and that's what matters. It's back to our point, to know God and his solution. That's what matters, okay? If you as a, a pastor... In Notre Dame, it said this 150 years ago. He said, if God would conceive his power, concede his power for 24 hours, you would see how many changes I would make in the world. You ever thought about that? If God would give me his power, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to get rid of some people. <laughs> I'm going to change it. But then he said, but if you gave me his wisdom too, I would leave things as they are. Because God understands. He understands the eternal value. He understands the eternal value of your pain and suffering. Okay? So embrace God's peace in your pain. He says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So embrace the pain. Understand God has purpose in it. And embrace his peace and trust him. Okay? You must trust him while you're going through this. I want to read one quick story to you. And I'm going to put my glasses on. Is that okay? Is that okay? It's going to have to be because I couldn't read it without them. Okay? Incredible story about Horatio Stafford. You probably, don't, probably never heard of him. I don't know. Some of you may have. This is a true story about a man named Horatio Stafford, a Christ follower who lived in the late 1800s. Horatio had many reasons why he could have doubted the goodness of God. But no matter what happened, his faith remained strong. Horatio first lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. Then in 1871, he lost everything. This famous and well-known Chicago lawyer lost all of his business, wealth, and property in the great Chicago fire. Then in 1873, he faced an event that could have shaken his faith. We've all been there. But because of God's presence, his faith was once again proven. In 1873... Horatio booked a trip to Europe for his family on a ship. Business kept him behind, so he sent his wife, Annie, and his four daughters on ahead of them. Midway through the trip, the Horatio's family ship, family ship collided with another ship, and within 12 minutes, the entire ship sank to the bottom of the ocean. Horatio's wife, Annie, her last memory was clinging on to his and her four daughters as she was knocked unconscious and her daughters washed away to their death. That's tough. The only thing that kept Annie alive was the, that she was knocked out on top of a log that kept her afloat. Twelve days later after his family left, Horatio received a telegram from his wife that said, Saved alone. We can only imagine his loss. Horatio Stafford immediately boarded the next ship and traveled to be with his wife. And it was when this ship that he has it was and it was when the ship that he was on passed the approximate spot of his four daughters' deaths. That's when God gave him these words to the song that we sing today in worship. So you may recognize this song. When he got to that spot. This is what God gave him. When peace like a river attendeth my way. <laughs> when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever pain, whatever loss, whatever your lot, thou hast taught me to say, let God teach you to say today. It is well. Embrace his peace. We're going to sing this together. If you want to sing it with us, you can. When peace like 
Let's, let's stand together. I want to, maybe if you're watching online, I want to I help you a moment. Just do something that I do when, when I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I just don't know where to go. This is something I say. And I want us to say this together, okay? Out loud. Just to kind of help us all deal with what we're dealing with today. So if you would, say this with me. Say, no matter where I go, my God is there. No matter what I do, my God still loves me. No matter what happens to me, my God is for me. Even with your doubts today, even with your hurts today, God is still your best solution waiting for you to embrace him if you would bow your heads with me I know some of you you're dealing with so many things today I want to pray for you first I want to pray for those that are hurting those that are sick at home that we would begin to see God and stop doubting (laughs) and start trusting and the God that loves us so much and gave us the solution for all our pain. I'm going to pray this first. Father, I pray that you would be with those in this room, those watching online. Maybe you're sitting in your room today at home and, you, and you're overwhelmed with sickness and pain and loss. I'm praying for you right now that God would touch your heart, touch your body that he'll begin to work and you'll see the pain differently. You'll embrace it and you'll see that God can provide joy and purpose in what you're dealing with. Maybe you're at home or in this room and and you're just having a hard time just getting past the pain and the suffering. I just want to pray for you that God, you begin to, to bring your peace over the hearts and minds of people that are listening today, that your spirit would just begin to move into their hearts, into their homes, that you'll begin to resolve the sickness, begin to heal the bodies, begin to heal our minds and our hearts, that we will look to you like never before, that we don't need 
a tragedy. We just need to know that you're there and you are our solution. I pray that as a church, as Christian community, we begin to trust you and pray to you and invite you in our lives again. Now, some of you here today and maybe watching online, you don't know Christ. You've never accepted Christ. You've never accepted that solution for your life that he gave. He gave his life for you. That you could be forgiven. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you're watching online or if you're in this room, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you'd like to receive Christ, all you got to do is pray it with me wherever you are. Okay? Let's do this together. Let's pray. Say, Father, I love you. I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you would come into my life and change me and make me a new person. I want to follow you. I believe that you died for me and you rose again. And I pray that you would take my pain, replace it with peace, and give me your solution. Thank you, God, for saving me and for changing me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. insightful and poignant message. Maybe you felt today like God was speaking to you in the megaphone. Let me just tell you, he's for you. He's for you. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus or whatever it might have been, um, we would love to connect with you. We would love to pray with you. Uh, Come see us at the Connection Center. We'd love to help you take your next step, your faith journey. And if you're giving today, we want to thank you so much for giving your tithes and offerings. Because of your faithfulness, you're making a difference in this community. You're making a difference in the world. And we thank you uh, for giving. 
And uh, guys, it's going to be another incredible message next Sunday. We're going to tackle another difficult question. Uh, Invite somebody to come and be with you. And we'll see you next Sunday for part two of Unconvinced. We hope you have a great day. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.